You are listening to Moisture Festival Podcast. Welcome to the Moisture Festival Podcast. I am Matthew Baker, and I perform a comedy stunt show at the Moisture Festival. And I'm Louis Fox, and I perform a comedy magic show and hand shadow puppets at the Moisture Festival. If you're new to this program and don't know exactly what the Moisture Festival is, the Moisture Festival is a four-week festival celebrating the variety arts, and it happens in the city of Seattle. They've got the new venue, which is the Broadway Performance Hall. Now, this is the largest festival of its kind in the world and features some of the best entertainers and comedians working today. The festival happens in the months of March and April, and not only do they have world-class variety acts, the Moisture Festival also hosts a week of burlesque shows. Yeah. Now, if you're listening to this during the festival or around festival time, be sure to get tickets now because 95% of the shows sell out. You can get tickets to all of the shows by visiting the website moisturefestival.org. Today's guest is the fantastic Carla Ulbrich. We have a great time chatting about how she came about doing novelty music songs as well as acting in Sharknado 2. Yeah, she talks about meeting Dr. Demento. She plays us some of her songs and uh, what it's like working in the comedy world and how she came to uh, find out and perform at the Moisture Festival. And we also hear some Van Halen stories. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is a fantastic interview. You guys are going to love listening to this. So let's get to it. Yep. All right, today's guest is a comedian, author, and singer-songwriter. Her songs have been heard on Dr. Demento, NPR's Morning Edition, and the BBC. She has been called a mashup of Weird Al, Minnie Pearl, Loretta Lynn, Roseanne Cash, and Cheryl Crow. She is the winner of the South Florida Folk Festival Songwriter Competition and a Moisture Festival favorite. We welcome in Carla Ulbrich. Wow, now I can't wait to hear me. I know. And according to GPT, you are a true gem in the world of music and entertainment. Aww. Look at that. But Chad GPT also lied to us and said you are a cartoonist. <laughs> <laughs> Take it all with a grain of salt. So thanks for joining us uh, from New Jersey. And uh, for, the, for the people who might not have seen you at the Moisture Festival, can you tell everyone what you do, what your art form is? My art form is humorous songs. And they're usually about relationships, food, and everyday life, and how absurd all of those things are, really, if you think about them. <laughs> and it's usually pretty clean. Like, if, if there's kids in the room, they they won't be traumatized, but some of it may go over their heads. Ah, uh, okay. But they do yeah. like my song about uh, losing my butt. 
Yeah. That's which, pretty popular with the kids. Which is funny because like that song is a parody of your own parody song. Yes, I, I parodied my own song. The original song I wrote was What If Your Girlfriend Was Gone? And then about seven years later, I, I had this little health catastrophe and I lost a bunch of, I lost too much weight. And then I, I, par- I was writing a bunch of parodies and uh, during my re- rehabilitation of my health and uh, scraped the bottom of the barrel and parodied myself. <laughs> <laughs> but then that song ended up getting you novelty song of the year from the Just Plain Folks people. There's something to be said for the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so um, you you grew up playing music, right? I mean, you but you, what, you wasn't always like comedy music, right? Right. No, I, I actually, when I was four, I decided I wanted to be a classical guitarist. It didn't exactly turn out as planned, which is a good thing. And uh, then I was uh, in marching band and I uh, played the flute and the clarinet and the piccolo and the tuba one year and um, not, not all at once. I just, just changed every year. And then I had piano lessons, classical piano lessons, and then I got a music degree. But despite having a music degree, I can still be creative. <laughs> since you started at four i must did you have a musical family is that something that everyone did in the house uh no um my dad was a phd in physics my mom was a phd in economics and my aunt came through one christmas and she was getting her bachelor's later after her kids got old enough she went back to college afterwards because she was an army wife so she couldn't do the degree thing um earlier and uh, she she was getting her classical guitar degree, and so she had her guitar with her, and she was practicing. And that's all my parents heard after she left. I want a guitar. I want a guitar. I want a guitar. I want to be just like my aunt. So that was the the spark. She just happened. We didn't see her that often, but that she came. Wow. That one, that one critical year, because she lived in New Mexico. We lived mm. in South Carolina, and uh, yeah. So that was a very um, formative moment. I don't even remember it. It's just family lore. So this is, yeah. you know, so for you, all I know, it's a big pack of lies. Just don't like everything. <laughs> so you said you were four. So how successful yeah. of a guitar player can a four-year-old be? Um, in my case, uh, not. Uh, my teacher tried to teach me and she was like, I have no idea how to teach four-year-olds. Come back when you're eight. Yeah. So I, I took lessons for a few months. I was very diligent, but it's very hard to explain to a four-year-old who's still learning the alphabet that now if you put your finger here, here, and here, this is a C. And you're like, wait, I thought a C was that curvy thing that starts the word cookie. And so yeah. it, it's just, uh, the only way to teach a four-year-old is is with the Suzuki method. And nobody in my little bitty town had ever heard of the Suzuki method. So, you know, and, and that also involves very heavy parental involvement, uh, which was not going to happen. So anyway... <laughs> So at about eight is when you started hitting your learning stride. Yeah, eight, eight, we got we got the restart, and I could learn traditionally because I had the alphabet down. Now the multiplication. <laughs> You're like S is for stairway to heaven. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. Now multiplication, thankfully, was was not mandatory for guitar playing because that <laughs> another thing that wasn't going to happen. How did your academic parents sort of respond to your uh, enthusiasm for wanting to be a musician? That's a good question. Um, when I when I in my senior year of high school, I, I wanted to take a year off because I graduated at 17 and my parents were having none of that. They were like, you are going to college. And my mom actually applied for me 
to get a business degree at Clemson. I'm like, have we met? <laughs> Hello. So that forced me to like, okay, well, I'm that, if, if, if that's my only option, if I have to go to college, I am not studying business. Uh, so I, I applied to Brevard College, which I wound up getting into with a scholarship and, and majored in music and finally got to do some classes that uh, interested me. <laughs> now, was the marching band in high school or college? Uh, in high school, okay. yeah. We didn't we didn't have a marching band at Brevard because there was no football team. That seems to be the package deal. Mm. There's not a marching band for soccer games. <laughs> I didn't did you that play? Part through. Did you play tuba in the marching band? I did one year. Yes. Ah, <laughs> nice. There were there was not. We needed two tuba players. You always have to have two tuba players, and that oh. year we found that year we found out why. Because the other tuba player got in a car accident, and we would have had no tuba players if if we'd only had the one. So I wound up being the only tuba player for about half the season, and uh, I was even shorter then. I was not quite five feet tall, so uh, it 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 was kind of funny. There was this one time we were at a football game in Liberty, and Liberty's like a very redneck town in South Carolina, and these guys from my marching band during half after halftime during the third quarter we all get to just do whatever we want we can go to the concession stand or you know we don't have to be in the stands play they give us the third quarter off and so we go over and that's all i know about football and uh we go over to visit the other marching band and, and a couple of the guys from my band were like come on you got to meet the other tuba player i'm like okay and apparently the guy from the liberty band always liked to challenge the other tuba player to a fist fight <laughs> I thought you were going to say like tuba off. Yeah, but, but the big no. question: Did you win? Uh, by default, <laughs> by forfeit. Yeah, he didn't want to beat up a girl. There's no pride in that. That's so. amazing. That was my nope. one year of tuba career. Were you always a funny kid? Like, when did the comedy sort of start playing a role in what you were interested in? Well, first of all, I'm a middle child, so there's half the explanation. That yeah. You need. Uh, and we uh, did just, I was just always making, taking songs and changing the words as a kid. Mm. I don't even know when that started. And singing um, cat food commercials and TV jingles and stuff like that. Because those could be pretty amusing, actually. Yeah. I, I count them as my musical influences. It doesn't sound very <laughs> upscale, but, you know, I, I was heavily influenced by Looney Tunes, Sesame Street, and... I actually didn't know there was such a thing as popular radio until I turned 13. I, di I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And I would hear kids, I, I went to YMCA day camp every summer and I was in the Girl Scouts. And so I was just kind of, well, like I still am, kind of clueless about pop culture. And so when I would go to school in like third grade, fourth grade, and I'd hear kids singing these songs on the playgrounds and I'm like, what camp did they go to? I don't know this <laughs> song, they're all... <laughs> singing these songs off the radio and i'm like we didn't do that at camp we didn't yeah. learn that so yeah it wasn't until i got my own radio at 13 that i found casey Kasem and sort of caught up i'll, I'll yeah. never be caught up though because people <laughs> are always using words like i'm always the last person to know when what the cool stuff is and what the lingo is and by the time i figure it out it's not cool anymore so <laughs> i you know like people are like oh man that song's really bad and i was like i kind of liked it I didn't know you were, you know, sick and bad and deaf all meant good things. Well, you're using terms from like the early 90s. Yeah. Yeah, man. 
that's what I'm I'm talking about. That you, at this point in life, I don't I don't care because I've given up. I'm not going to be cool. But at that point, I cared. Yeah. About being clueless. But now I'm like, okay, that's just my thing. I'm clueless. Yeah. <laughs> Nowadays, uh, to the kids, not caring is is fire. Fire. It's fire. Yeah. Let me just go look that up and then I like to say that. (laughs) So you're sort of doing parodies just on your own there, uh, you know, because I wrote down as a question sort of like, was there other pair? I know Weird Al was obviously the most famous, but was there a sort of landscape or Mount Rushmore of parody people that you could look to? Or was this just sort of like a genre that you fell into? I I started out, this is probably gonna be hard to believe but I started out writing all these morbid songs about heartbreak that's that's what I started my first batch of songs we call it os as in os os and moros <laughs> and that all my songs were super depressing one of my friends came to one of my concerts and he gave me this great feedback he was like you know kind of wanted to slit my wrists <laughs> so, okay and then another friend gave me some really good feedback because we were just sitting around uh and I'd sing a song, one of my depressing songs, and then I'd tell a funny story, and then I'd sing another depressing song. It was very bipolar about the whole thing. Mm. Like, you know, laugh, cry, laugh, cry, laugh, cry. And he finally looked at me after one of those stories. He goes, you just turn a story into a song. And I was like, why hadn't I ever thought of that? So that's sort of become my process ever since then, is uh, I'll, I'll take a funny story, turn it into a song, and then I have to write an intro, a new intro for the song. And mm. then I take that intro and I turn it into a song. Oh, and then there I you write go. A new intro. <laughs> Nice. Now, so yeah. you do mostly original funny yeah. songs versus parody funny songs. I I didn't start. Yes, I started out just writing original funny songs, and then um, uh, I had I when that whole medical thing, I had some problems with my hand, and that's when I started writing parodies because I couldn't play the guitar for about six months. Mm. So I was like, I want to keep writing because I'm sitting here in the bed and I'm bored out of my mind. So I that's when I started writing the parodies was when I couldn't play for a little while. So uh, now now it's a mix. I, it's maybe half and half. I'm not sure. I don't really sit down with a spreadsheet and divide what it is. But <laughs> You don't know how many songs you have? How many songs do you think you have? I have no idea. I mean, because you have 10 albums. So Hold on. Let's a- ask ChatGPT. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because it's so reliable. Yeah, 10 albums. I mean, that's a lot. So, I mean, at least was 10 songs on each album. Yeah, some of them have 12 songs. Uh, one, a couple of them are live. Three of them are live albums, so they have bits, spoken mm. bits, and then songs, a couple instrumentals and stuff like that. So it, it's, it's a mishmash. Or like You kind of mentioned a couple times that when you were sick or whatever happened to you that made you bedridden. <laughs> yes. So, so what, what happened? Well, I was... Driving to a gig, I wasn't feeling too good. I had some bronchitis and um, apparently I had high blood pressure that wasn't detected. You can, you can, that's easy to happen. And, um, and then I took some cold medication, uh, which you shouldn't do if you have high blood pressure. So I had a TIA, a mini stroke. Um, I was actually driving and I was like, oh, I feel really dizzy. And then all my strength left my left hand. And, you know, you would think, okay, let's go to urgent care or something. But I was on the way to a gig. So yeah. I went ahead and did the gig. <laughs> and I, I couldn't I couldn't really play very well. So I was just sort of playing stuff on the bass string with using one finger and stuff. And 
I think I might not have gone to seek medical help, except that one of my friends came up to me after the gig and said, you look like crap. And I was like, well, now we have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> I look like Not the crap. fact I can't play guitar, but the fact I look bad. Exactly, exactly. So I'm so vain. Uh, so that that was uh, the beginning of, of all that stuff. And uh, it, it was months of... And I had some kidney problems that that contributed to the high blood pressure. And so it's, it was all autoimmune stuff. And I'm able to control it now with lifestyle with um, I have a bunch of food allergies. If I stay away from those foods, then my immune system calms down and all that. Uh, so I, I don't have to stay on these super strong drugs or anything that I've been on before, like prednisone, which I wrote an ode to prednisone. Prednisone <laughs> is like it saves your life, but but then it makes you want to kill yourself at the same time. Oh. Good combo. Want to hear it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's hear it. That, that's, that's one of my parodies. Only because your eyes lit up when you were talking about it. <laughs> right. I feel very strongly about this topic. Okay, I'm gonna have to put my dog on the floor. I'm so sorry. I, I always feel so bad when I have to set her down. Oh, and I dropped her. <laughs> and then you dropped your guitar on the dog. <laughs> I, I just dropped the dog on the floor. She was so dead weight. It was like too relaxed. All right. Well. She won't be bothering me for the rest of the hour. <laughs> Not after that. So when I when I was uh, like eight or nine years old, we had a babysitter who used to always sing us, Comet will make your mouth turn green. Comet, it tastes like Listerine. I don't know, have you ever heard this? No. Comet will make you vomit. So drink some Comet and vomit today. <laughs> All right. So uh, he was probably another musical influence. Your babysitter who sang that to you? Yes. <laughs> uh, it, it just made us laugh so hard. I, That's awesome. <clears throat> so this is about uh, the medication prednisone, which they give to everybody for everything. But if you stay on it a long time, like, you know, months or years, it has a lot of side effects like weight gain, mood swings, osteoporosis, cataracts, diabetes, and insomnia. But the good news is your kitchen floor will be spotless, your CDs will be in perfect alphabetical order, and you'll catch up on all those reruns of Matlock. Yeah. <laughs> Prednisone will make you get real fat. Prednisone will give you cataracts. Prednisone, it will destroy your bones. So take some Prednisone, destroy your bones today. Prednisone, your moods are up and down. Prednisone, your face is big and round. Prednisone will mess with your hormones, so take some prednisone, spend your life alone today. Give it to your cat, give it to your dog, give it to your guinea pig. See him acting weird, see him eat a lot, see him getting really big. Take it for your gout, or if you got a bout, a poison or a poison ivy. Take it in a drop, take it in a pill, take it intravenously. Prednisone, you start with one complaint. Prednisone, now you've got seven or eight. Prednisone, you could be dead, you know. So take your prednisone or pick your tombstone today. Nice. That's great. I kind of want to, you should try and get prednisone to do, do their commercial. Yeah, you could be the person with all the side effects. Yeah. <laughs> I have pictures. I got before, during, after pictures. Yeah, that'd be that'd be amazing. Child for not taking prednisone. <laughs> now, did you write the book while you were going through all this sort of health bout? 
or did, it did that come after? Yeah, it was after that book was that TIA and everything was like 2002 and the book came out in 2011. So it's quite a bit later. It, it yeah. was based on a blog. I used to just, anytime I found something that I thought would be useful to people with autoimmune conditions, I would, I would um, post it on the blog. And then I just collected all that stuff and turned it into a book, which I had thankfully uh, a publisher and an editor because uh, she was like, maybe you don't need 20 exclamation points. <laughs> Have you thought of using commas? <laughs> what is this weird squiggly line over your A's? <laughs> <laughs> Have you considered not typing in all caps? <laughs> And the book is called How Can You Not Laugh at a, at a Time Like This? Yes. And was that cathartic to write or? It was, it was cathartic when I was doing the blog. It was tedious when I was writing the book because, you know, now the blog, you just, you just like, you know, and you just, that that's how all social media is. You're just mm. like, no filter. And then the book, you're like, okay, I got to clean this up. So it was, it's kind of like cleaning your basement. You know, I, I like, I think Stephen King's or one of those really good writers said, you know, I don't enjoy writing. I enjoy having written. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Being done with it. Yes. It's kind of like it, pooping. I know. I kind of, I kind of. Can of worms. I work on my, well, <laughs> hopefully not. You mentioned that you had multiple books, but I only found one on. Oh, the the other book is a, a music instruction book that I wrote. Um, oh. So it's not. Well, it is on Amazon somewhere, but you um... teach the Swahili. What was the the method that you were just talking about? The oh, Suarez method. <laughs> Suzuki method. That's Suzuki I don't method. I don't teach Suzuki uh, or Swahili. Oh, but, yeah. but you do teach, to... don't you? I do teach. Yes. I teach the Carla method. <laughs> What's the Carla method? Get her done. It's actually, I stumbled on on some really cool stuff during COVID when I had to teach virtually. And it is a lot like the Suzuki method. It, it's the old monkey see, monkey do method. But mm. I would break down the song into like little tiny chunks, like one measure. And I'll play it and then I'll go, okay, now you play it. And, and we go, and I go, okay, let's try that again. I play it, you play it. And you break it down to these tiny chunks to where they can hear if you, you know, they can hear whether they sound like me or not, whether mm. they're in time, in tune, or, you know, matching up the lyrics in the right place with the drums. And um, now, so, yeah, I just break it down to the tiniest chunks. And that that's kind of how I teach now. But I, I really tune in to different people's different learning styles and, um, and their, uh, personalities and neuroses i have a lot of adult students who uh who were told please don't sing mm. <laughs> just just mouth the words and and then i'll help that's kind of one of my weird specialties because i'm not really a voice teacher but i'm a person who can get someone from being totally afraid to sing to where they can sing functionally so I really enjoy that. It's very rewarding. And... So you saved karaoke nights across the uh, Northeast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, I, I saw that you work at a lot of like, you do a lot of comedy nights and comedy clubs. How how do you play in those places? Like when you pull the guitar out, because, you know, at, or uh, sorry, Louie and I both do comedy variety, you know, and so we all both worked a ton of comedy clubs. And there's always like this weird moment where you pull out a prop where they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> This is where we're going. 
yeah, it's it's different. Well, a lot of people, other other comics are like, oh god, a guitar. Yeah, yeah. Other other comics are like annoyed. But if you just get up there and are competent and funny, the audience doesn't care if yeah. you have a guitar or not. It's it's really the other comics who are like, I don't want to follow a guitar. Comic. Yeah, right. Yeah, you're tarnishing yeah. our purity. <laughs> This, right. The sacred stage where people do poop jokes all day. <laughs> exactly. You had a song uh, about that, right? Like about going to a comedy club and dealing with mostly male comics talking about, you know. Oh, yes. That song, we just put that out. Uh, I, I, it used to be a comedy bit, as a matter of fact. And then I was working with a, a Lauren Mayer. We've written some songs together we started writing together over COVID because we were both doing a live stream every week and you just chew through material when you do that. Mm -hmm. And, um, and uh, I had this comedy bit. It was fully formed that I had done several times on stage. And I was like, well, we could, we could take this and turn it into a song. And she's a really good um, composer and piano player. So she did the music for that. We just put that out last week and it's called, it must be hard to have a penis. <laughs> I don't know what we're allowed to say here. Bleep me! If you I have. think we're allowed. You can say that. I don't think that's a. That's a. Not that's one a of the seven words, trip. right? From yeah. George Carlin. So speaking of that, <laughs> you have a song that has a potty mouth title, it's, or it was it was in a documentary, right? Oh, oh, that. Yes, that's a different song. Yes, that's a song about how rich I would be if I had the copyright on the f word, <laughs> and um. And I, I sang it, it has 27 F words in it. And I sang it uh, at actually at the Bluebird Cafe. What do I, I was getting sort of fed up with playing at the Bluebird Cafe because they don't even comp you a drink, like not even a Coca-Cola, you know? What, wait, is the Bluebird Cafe the place in Nashville where all the, yeah, the one in songwriters? Nashville that okay. all the songwriters want to play at, you know? And I played there a dozen times and I'm like, I'm tired of not getting paid. I drive all the way up here. And they. They don't pay you. They won't even buy you a Coca-Cola that, you know, not that they have to buy it. They just drain it out of, yeah. you know, water and sugar. And, uh, you know, it, it's, I just, I was just getting sort of fed up. So one of my friends who had, I had just, I had just sung that song at his picking party the night before. And he came to the Bluebird and he, he yells out, do the copyright song. And I was like, really? In the Bluebird? Because in the Bluebird, it's in Nashville. And you are not allowed to swear on the stage. I don't care if you broke all six strings. You are not allowed to swear. Oh. No swearing or you will be banned from that club. And I, I hadn't yet figured out how to bleep the song. It hadn't even occurred to me how to censor the song. I had just written it. So I, uh. I hadn't thought all that. I was like, I can't. Well, and then I was like, you know what? Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? What are they going to do? Not pay me? They're already not paying me. <laughs> So, They're already not giving me coffee and Coke. Exactly. I'm already buying my own Diet Coke, which I don't drink that stuff anymore. But um, so, yeah. Uh, so, I, but then I played it at a, and actually half Wait, the did... crowd was folding their arms and glaring at me like I was Satan incarnate. And the other half was giving me a standing ovation. So well, did you use the F word? Yes. Oh, you did. Times. Okay. Gotcha. Cause yes. You told us that you bleep it out, but I do now. Okay. I do now. You hadn't so quite that... figured out how to bleep it out then. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, it hadn't occurred to me. Um, the second time I sang the song was at a gig in South Carolina. I did it as an encore. I'd had a great night. Both my sets went great. Everybody loved me. And then they were like, Encore. And I was like, I couldn't think of anything. I was like, 
only song I can think of is the F word song. I was like, okay, I'll do it. And they loved it. Standing ovation. And the owners were like, do not ever come back in this <laughs> building again, yeah. even for ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not at the Baptist convention. No. <laughs> Although they would laugh their heads off in private. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, in public, you can't do that down South. So after that, a, a DJ asked me if he had heard me do this song at a concert. And, um, and he asked me, uh, could you come record that? I can't play it on the air, but would you come record it? I said, sure, I'll, I'll come in your studio and record it. And then he put a bunch of sound effects over it so that he could play it on the air. And that's what got me thinking, how can I do that live? Yeah. So he's the one who salvaged the song, really. Did it appear in a, a documentary? Yes, and that it's in a documentary about the F word, which the, the title of the documentary is the, the F, F word. word. That's the title of it. it <laughs> Not the words, the F word. It's the actual F word. That's the, that, that F bleep CK. Is, that's yeah. the name of F a documentary. Dollar sign yeah, asterisk A. So, and, and the recording you hear in that in that is me at the Bluebird playing it live. For, oh, okay. Yeah, where I got the ovation slash folded arms response. <laughs> and I didn't know I was being recorded. So it's actually off of a cassette. Ooh. Oh, yeah. So what I what I heard, I think I heard on Spotify, that's off of a cassette. Yes. Oh wow, it was pretty good. That's a pretty good recording. Yeah, they do. It was, it was a board recording, so that you know came straight off of the mixing board. Are you gonna play the song for us? I'm gonna play the song for you. <laughs> okay. I think we've given almost enough preamble. Okay. So I think we've already outdone the time of the song by double <laughs> talking about. It. I had the copyright on the word I'd say whoop this job and yourself you dumb No need for hard work and no need for luck If I had the copyright on the word Not a gasp, not a sigh from my mouth would be heard Nope, just a cha-ching when I hear the F word if people got jealous of all of my wealth, I tell them to copyright and if I had copyright on the word, I'd have no need for dag dum dang darn shoot or shucks. Four letter word usage is perfectly honed. I could retire on Jersey alone. Where they say motherfuckers, I don't give a if they can't take a joke and hey what the those fuckers will fuck you so don't give up quit fucking around or you're gonna get if I had the copyright on the worm it would roll off my tongue like water off a duck no need for hard work and no need for luck and this is the sing-along but that doesn't work on zoom if i had the copyright right. word. word you crunch the numbers how much would you have <laughs> untold zillions of dollars <laughs> So how long did it, because you had one of those kids things you blow and it, the thing straightens out and goes, Rrr. how long did it take to settle on that versus something else? 
that was really my first thought, and then I just stuck with it. Although this this rolls out. The first ones I had were just the the New Year's Eve party horns, mm. and then I would have to tear them in half because it was too long to reach the microphone. <laughs> so I, I would just tear off about four inches of the of the paper tube. <laughs> but then then I just decided to up my game one day and say, I wonder if I can get one of those things that rolls out, it, you know, and and um, so it rolls out. It kind of looks like a frog tongue. Yeah, this red one. Yeah, so the the term is noisemaker, but these ones that roll out are called rollouts or blowouts or something like that. It's still a noisemaker, makes the same noise, but because it blows out and, and unrolls and rolls back as, you know. Do you know how many people have been banned from the Bluebird Cafe? Do you know what sort of exclusive company you, you are in? That's a great question. No, I have no idea. I, I just I just knew you weren't supposed to swear there and... And did they tell you you're not welcome back? Did they say, don't ever come Surprisingly, back? Surprisingly, no. But I didn't go back. I didn't ask to come Oh, back. okay. Gotcha. Okay. You banned yourself. You banned yourself. I, I just figured, you know, go out in style, right? <laughs> but in addition to music, it looks like you also do some acting. I have done, uh, for about three or four years, I did a bunch of work as an extra. Okay. And I always got put up front because I'm only five foot, I'm not quite five foot two. And they like it when... The extras are shorter than the the main actors. Mm. Ah. So and plus, I just I kind of look like the girl next door, sort of average everyday person on the street. So I blend. I blend really well. And you were in my second favorite movie in the world, Sharknado Two. That's right. That's right. <laughs> right around the thirty minute mark, you can see me in the baseball scene. When you're an extra in movies like that, do they give you the script ahead of time, or are they just like, "This is the scene that you're in"? Yeah, there's no lines. As an extra, you don't get any lines. Yeah, but are do you know the movie that you're going to go into, or are you just like, "Well, there's we know a the film. title of it." Oh, okay. You know the title. Like I, I knew we were doing Sharknado Two. Otherwise, what else would have motivated me to get up at five o'clock in the morning in the middle of February yeah. and stand around in short sleeves in 20 degree weather? Did you do your summer. research and watch Sharknado one just to sort of no. prepare for your role? I have to admit, no, no, what? I, I, I was winging it. Man. But... You're like, that's how good of an extra I am. <laughs> I, I can stand in the back and eat a corn dog like no one's business. When I saw Sharknado 2, I saw you and I said, you know what? She, she doesn't believe this uh, shark tornado concept. <laughs> you know, I'm surprised you didn't see Sharknado 2 and go, I think they're all winging it. <laughs> I believe there was funding for this. <laughs> I think the sharks put more research into this than the main actors. Now, it looks like you're in something that's coming out called Another Love Story in New York City. Oh, you know, that never came out. I did that. I was opposite. Uh, oh, I can't remember his first name. Uh, Romano, somebody Romano, not Ray Romano. It's other guy Romano. Um, and, and that never came out. I was I, I showed up to be an extra and somebody didn't show up and they're like, how fast can you learn lines? I'm like, how fast do you need me to learn lines? And so I got bumped up to one of the main roles. <laughs> Uh, but it, it from extra out. to leading actor. I know it was crazy. It was like a student project or something, or an indie <laughs> indie project. I don't know whatever happened to that, but that that was gosh, eight years ago or something. Uh, IMDb has it listed as upcoming. Oh, oh okay. Well, probably for eight years. Know, it's a lot like my to do list. Everything's <laughs> upcoming. Um, so we mentioned Doctor Demento in your introduction. Was Doctor Demento an influence on you or? Was it just a cool sort of notch to have on the the career belt? Dr. Demento, I, 
again, was not in the loop as usual growing up. All my friends listened to Dr. Demento. I didn't know about the, the radio station in town that played Dr. Demento, which was uh, this little tiny station that reaches about a mile and a half radius. <laughs> and I'm not even sure we could have picked it up at my house, but, um, but I did listen to a lot of people who were on Dr. Demento, like Ray Stevens and Weird Al and Alan Sherman, because Dr. Demento just keeps playing the old stuff as well as mixing it in with the mm. new stuff. So you get your your education once you find some Dr. Demento. You 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 find uh, you find all the you get all the. He's actually a musicologist. He has a PhD in musicology. Wow. Dr. Demento does? Yes. Wow. And he has a giant, he, I'm sure he has the world's largest novelty record collection. Oh, I would imagine. <laughs> you know, because everybody sends him anything funny. And uh, and he's been on the air for more than 50 years now. That's he's bananas. still on, just only on the internet now. Um, but I, I got filled in, you know, later, as I do with everything. <laughs> yeah. But my parents had a few novelty records and, and I would hear stuff on, I would hear stuff on the radio that was, that was funny. But um, once I finally got a radio, but <laughs> once I found Dr. Demetri, he started playing me uh, in, I think 2000. Nice. And, uh, and he, uh, he played me quite a bit. He, he still plays me and he's interviewed me and I've met him. I've had dinner with him. And, oh, that's great. Hey, weirdly, he looks like my dad. <laughs> Because <laughs> after I interviewed him, he gave me some swag and I had like a, you know, some bumper stickers. It was like, honk if you're demented. And and then there was a button that there was just Dr. Demento's face and he had his top hat on and all that. And at one point, my husband finally said, why do you have a button of your dad? <laughs> your dad in a top hat. <laughs> in a top hat, exactly. But my so, dad was going yeah. through his magician phase. Yes. And I like to <laughs> remind him of it. <laughs> Okay, it's time to tell you, honey, I was pulled out of a hat. <laughs> <Ta -da! laughs> That's awesome. That's pretty amazing. So um, what brought you, you grew up in South Carolina. What took you to New Jersey of all places? Uh, my husband is from New York and we met in Colorado at a song camp. And uh, we eventually, I didn't want to date him at first because I just got dumped by a tall Italian guy from New Jersey. I was like, oh no, not another one of these. And um, so we, but we became friends because we had a lot in common and uh, his songs are, are actually pretty funny. He doesn't, he has a day job, so he doesn't do a lot with his mm. funny songs, but we do collaborate and uh, he's kind of my secret co-writer on a lot of my songs, but um, he, he's a very funny guy. So we were like deciding, you know, am I going to move up here or are you going to move down to South Carolina? So he came to visit me in South Carolina. And we don't have a lot of tall, greasy Italians in South Carolina. <laughs> so, <laughs> we're walking through the Waffle House parking lot, as you do, you know, because you can't visit South Carolina for your first time and not go to Waffle House. Yeah, That's exactly. sort of mandatory. And we're walking through the parking lot. He's got his leather jacket and his slicked up <sighs> hair and everything. These three teenage boys are like, hey, it's the Fonz. Give it up, Fonzay. Give us one of these thumbs up, you know. <laughs> And I was like, you know, I think it'll be easier if I'm moving. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to have to live with this. I want to maintain my reputation at the Waffle House. And now you're That's in right. New Jersey. <laughs> now you're in New Jersey going to the, the whatever Waffle House equivalent. And they're like, hey, the what's diner. up, we average middle America looking? What's up, Carolina? 
Give us one of these, uh, I don't know, a yawn. <laughs> go grocery shopping. <laughs> Let's go to the mall. There's no Waffle House in New Jersey. Oh, Have you, you should write a song about that. Yes, yeah. there you go. I did write, I wrote a song about Waffle House, but I did not write a song about it not being in New Jersey. <laughs> How did you come to find out or perform at the Moisture Festival? I think one of my musician friends told me about it. It was either Bob Malone or Amy Englehart. It was probably Bob Malone. And I think Bob only played the Moisture Fest once. Um, he's an incredible performer and a great piano player, kind of like Dr. John, if you haven't heard of him, it, it, you know, Bob Malone, he, he's kind of like the Dr. John uh, boogie-woogie, honky-tonk, mm. sort of bluesy style. I'm sure I'm using the wrong terms, but you can get the vibe from it. And uh, he's, we used to split a lot of gigs, but now he's the keyboard player for John Fogarty's band. So oh, cool. it takes a lot longer for him to return a text from me yeah. than it used to, back when we used to you know, share gigs and swap poop jokes and Van Halen stories <laughs> back 20 years ago. Wait, you got a Van Halen story? Oh, um, no, we just, I, have a, I have a collection of Van Halen bootleg videos. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. Do I have any Van Halen stories? I, I don't. I don't think so. I okay. didn't get to. I only got to see Van Hagar and then the Van Halen reunion. So <laughs> Van Hagar. That's that's actually. Funny. But here's my Van Halen story. So this is how I met Bob Malone. I was playing at the South Florida Folk Fest in the contest that you mentioned in the intro, and there was 20 performing singer songwriters in the contest, and Bob Malone was one of them. And he saw me. Well, I hadn't met him yet. Um, we were strangers. And I had on like a black suit and a silk shirt and some sunglasses. I don't know. I looked like something out of the Matrix or something. I don't know. Except the Matrix wasn't out yet. But uh, so I'm walking towards the stage and, and Malone goes, hey, you look like a rock star. Play Eruption. <laughs> so I started playing Eruption on my acoustic guitar. It sounded like crap. But the fact that I would even know what he was talking about and try to play Eruption on an acoustic guitar, which is basically to rip all your nails off <laughs> he was like okay we got to be friends that's nice. my that's van halen brings people together <laughs> it does <laughs> not if you're in the band yes that's that's that pushes everyone apart exactly <laughs> he said hey this is a cool festival you should check look into yeah he said oh man they would love you he's like you got you gotta you gotta do this uh festival because you would fit right in and he was right and you know some a word that almost every mc used to do i don't know if if, if louie did this but almost every mc who introduced me i uh, did six shows this year at the moisture festival and almost every one of them was lovingly admiringly describing how weird i am <laughs> I, I don't appreciate. think i'd do that i pretty much say what i'm told to say yeah you were pretty straightforward yeah but but you didn't add how wrong. weird she was, Louie. Come on, man. Uh, you should put that in your note. It like, yeah. And then add a sentence about how weird. <laughs> also, just improv on how weird I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ron was like, oh, if you like weird, we have got weird for you. So it was something like that. I didn't memorize it, but. Uh, and, and then he and then he called me Clara Albright or something. But, oh. Yeah, you know we all have brain farts. Yeah, Ron is a wonderful person and a you know <laughs> great MC. He just, <laughs> but I love that he celebrated how weird I am. I mean, he's yeah. happy. How many times have you been to the Moisture Festival? Three or four, I'm not sure. I uh, all this is my first 
time back. Well, I did. I did the one in 2021 that was streaming. Oh so yeah. I, gotcha. yeah, I don't know if we count that one. And sure. then it was this year, and then I know I was there at least twice pre-COVID at Hales Palladium. Yeah, I've seen you twice, and I didn't go this year, so, um, so at least yeah. three. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's accurate. It feels like more because you play several shows, and mm -hmm. you just get so immersed. It's such a great experience. Um, Is there any other sort of festivals, like music festivals or songwriter festivals, that are like kind of like that? Not in the sense that are just like variety, but it's a, the sense that's like a bit quirky. You know, the South Florida Folk Festival used to be that way. I'm not even sure that festival. Yeah, it's still it's still going. Uh, they're a folk festival, but they that that particular festival tends to like the humorous songwriters um I, that's a tough question we should ask chat gpt he's quicker than yeah, we should. yeah. <laughs> do you want to do a question from chat gpt give me a number yeah. one through seven okay okay three in addition to your music career you've also worked as a freelance writer and cartoonist oh, that's the one that's the one you said earlier More lies. creative lies. pursuits complement each other and what skills do you bring from one to the other Oh, that's 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 an addendum to the follow-up question. It's a long question, yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Wow, ChatGPT GPT is long-winded. Okay, so skills skills that uh, transfer back and forth between. The, well, first of all, I'm not a cartoonist. So just be very <laughs> so how does clear your... about that. I don't want people texting me and going, "Hey, uh, can you do a caricature?" No, I can't. <laughs> um, let's see. So so writing writing. And uh, I guess we're just talking about writing and music and how those skills transfer back and forth. Yep. Yeah. And that's really, I'm a lyrics first writer, especially if it's a parody because the music already exists. Yeah. So um, I, I'm a lyrics first. So yeah, I'm all about ideas and, you know, I'm an idea person, but I, uh, I, I like, I free write every morning and uh, some ideas turn into, they used to turn into blog posts. Some ideas now, you know, turn into social media posts. Some ideas turn into jokes and some ideas turn into songs. And um, some ideas get flushed down the toilet because they suck. Yeah. But <laughs> that's just the nature of writing. You know, yeah. they, they say you got to write 10 jokes to get one good one. So what, what got you writing every morning? Uh, the Artist's Way. Oh. <laughs> uh... Yeah. I've been trying to sell Matt on that book for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's a great book. Yeah. I went through it in a, you know, it's hard to do it by yourself though. You really need a book group. Yeah. I ha I have it and I tried it and it was just a little, uh, you know, frou frou mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. It's a woo woo, a woo woo yeah. book. I still, it I still have the rock I was supposed to find and carry in my pocket and feel to connect, feel yeah. connected to the earth. Like that's. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, the thing about that book is you don't, you, you have to just take what you need and leave the rest. You can't, you don't have to feel obligated to do every exercise. Just do, <laughs> do the ones that are like, okay, I can do that. You know, but really, Which is the free, you, the free writing. Yeah. yeah free that's, writing is, that's the is one great. everyone takes away from it is the free writing. It is the thing that people stick with. And right? you do that every day. I do. 20 minutes a day or longer. Three pages is the minimum. Oh, wow. Yeah, three pages. Sometimes I get carried away. It's four, five, six pages. And how much of those draw are they drawings? Your cartoons? <laughs> <laughs> you do <laughs> pretty close. 
to zero percent. Okay, right. I won't say never. Does writing an asterisk in the in the margin count as a cartoon? Because I do. Yeah, like a little bit. Is that where all the exclamation points for your book came from? Just <laughs> I got to fill these three minimum three pages. Three pages. Let's <laughs> say I'm going to write the date really big. I'm going to write my name. If people want to find out about you, they can go to CarlaU.com. Right. You're also on Facebook. What's that? The letter U. C-A-R-L-A-U. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Facebook, Bandcamp, Instagram, and on Spotify. Am I missing anything? You do a monthly live stream? Yeah. I do do a monthly live stream, and that's on Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. I don't do Twitch the way most people do Twitch. They're on like three times a week or something, but I, I just do my monthly live stream and it happens to also be on Twitch because I have a few followers who are like, I don't like YouTube and I don't like Facebook because they collect your data, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, fine. I'll just, all it takes is a couple clicks and here, I'll also send it to Twitch for the three people who care about this. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not like a real Twitch streamer. It just happens to also be mm. there for those who are worried about privacy. If you're listening, you can get her book on Amazon and you get all her CDs on Amazon, her website and Bandcamp. And I think you're on TikTok too, actually. I, I did recently get on TikTok. And I'm still <laughs> figuring that out because yeah. TikTok is not really the best place for someone who's the last to know about everything. Yes. But definitely by the time I hop on a trend, it's, it's like, what is this, 2020? <laughs> well, you your MySpace page it is a dead link now, just so you know, because I clicked on that hoping that there was still be my space. Thank God. I it's thought gone. that page would never die. They they convoluted, they conflated me with another artist named Carla, who's a gospel artist. And we're pretty different. <laughs> we're pretty different. You should have a Carla collaboration. Yeah. Um, yeah. Too many Carlas in one place. <laughs> That's what you'd call the album. Too many Carlas in one place. Boom. Yeah. Boom. Many... Right there. Who needs three pages? We just knocked it. That's a week of writing right there. Sometimes lightning just strikes. <laughs> well, we want to thank you so much for your time, for playing us some music and uh, yeah, for sharing some laughs with us. We really appreciate it. I appreciate being on this show and I appreciate y'all spreading the word about the Moisture Fest because I think it's just such a magical, magical event and I hope it sustains for years and years to come. It's so special and I'm really delighted to have been invited back, uh, you know, repeatedly and hope to be back again. We'll make it happen. Yeah, we'll see All what right. we can do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Tell them I'm right. weird. They like that. Yes. <laughs> Thank right. you, Carly. We appreciate it. We want to thank you for listening to the Moisture Festival podcast. If you haven't bought tickets yet for the festival, you can do that at moisturefestival.org. You can also find out information about volunteering or supporting it financially as well. Just click on the contribute button. You can also find Moisture Festival. They are on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube if you want to check out more details on any of those social network sites. If you want to find out more information on Louie and I, we do a podcast together that is completely different than this podcast and it is called the odd and off beat podcast and you can find that on any platform that you get your podcasts at
If you would like to find out information on Louis and I's shows, you can do so by visiting Louis's site, which is Fox with two X's.com. And Matt Baker's site, ComedyStuntShow.com, spelt the way you would expect it to be spelled. Yes. And we want to thank all the volunteers, performers, sponsors, donors, board members, producers of the Moisture Festival for helping make this thing happen. Absolutely. A lot of moving parts, and they do a wonderful job at creating a very unique experience that you cannot get anywhere else. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Moisture Festival Podcast. And stay moist.